0: have teamed up with the Witherslack Group to bring you a fantastic face-to-face meet-up in Manchester next month. Tickets are free, with lunch included, and you'll be met with a host of amazing speakers. Sign up for Your Voice now at witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash yourvoice2022. Hi. I'm Charlie Burley, The Teacher's Health Coach and I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger and many more. There'll be talks, workshops and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc Venues St Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Twilight Show. Uh, I am Harry Waters. Uh, It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, We've got a wonderful show set for you today. It's been a little while since I've been here.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. Um, I
1: had a couple of weeks off. I, took, I don't know if any of you have heard of one of these, but I took a holiday um which was was quite rare uh which is it was really nice it's the first time i've taken uh, a trip that didn't involve work for i don't know how long but it's quite a little while since i've actually had a proper holiday with the family where you know i disconnected i I didn't look at my emails not even once um I did look at my whatsapp so apologies for that one but yeah i and I did also go on instagram of course because that's where sustainable September is happening and i couldn't couldn't leave that one alone uh but yeah, it, it was lovely to to disconnect and get away from everything um see so yeah, I had two full weeks away from uh, teacher's talk radio I'm sure you all missed me greatly um i can I can hear you all crying into your your pod app uh, but i am back uh, and what have i been up to this week well i've been up to quite a lot actually uh since coming back as you know when you get back from holiday it's all a bit um well the first day i found it quite difficult to adjust i got up at 6 am as i do every day did a little bit of yoga and then uh, opened my emails and yeah, as I hadn't looked at them for an entire week, it was just oh, immediately switch that one off and go somewhere else and, you know, have a look at the projects I'm working on. Luckily, by the afternoon, I was kind of clued up, but I did send a couple of emails, one of which was a, um, an agreement of work, which I'd been sent by a, you know a lovely publisher had sent it to me and I'm working on a project with them. Uh, they'd sent it to me and said, Here's your, your your contract. Can you please sign it and send it back in PDF form? Absolutely. I read it 100% at seven o'clock in the morning. I signed it and sent it back in word form, um, completely ignoring the PDF section of it, of course. Then I, I reread it about five hours later and realized that uh, I had to send it again in PDF. But they thanked me for the bonus word one. Um, and yeah, I. It's something that I I always forget to convert to PDF, but it is something we really need to do. I know um, when I was working in a school and we were looking through CVs and stuff like that, it just looks better if you've converted it to PDF. I don't know why, Um, I'm sure there is a reason for it. And and I'm sure my guest today will probably tell us that very reason. Um, I have no idea why, but I always convert things to PDF Except when people ask me to, in which case I absolutely forget to do that. Um, and yeah. Uh, so that was was my start of the week. But since then, I've I've actually managed to crack on. Um, I did a full five hour session today. Of course, I, I didn't work fully for five hours because you need to take your breaks, do your movement. Um, I've got my guest here on Zoom who's looking at me doing my movements. Um, I'm sure he's nodding, saying they're good movements to do. Harry uh, also. You do the 20-20-20, isn't it? You look 20 metres away for 20 seconds every 20 minutes. Luckily, I've got a window right next to me that none of you can see me pointing towards, uh, where I've got my rose bushes. I look at my rose bushes um, probably 20 times a day. Um, but I do have a wonderful guest, and I will introduce him very shortly. Um, but before that, we're going to head off for the news Hopefully, Um, I tried it before I came on. Let's check and make sure it's okay. Here we go. Doesn't look like it wants to work. So I'm going to give it a quick refresh. Um, Let's have a go here. It doesn't want to play ball. So in the meantime, I'm going to ask, I'm going to mention to you uh, that the Witherslack Group are a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you to help them achieve even more. At Witherslack, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. Witherslack currently have some fantastic career opportunities available to apply for. Check out witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Uh, Charlie Burley, the teacher's health coach, has a new event called Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher uh, through looking at nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and well-being in school. There are speakers such as Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger and many more. There will be talks, workshops and time to network with like-minded colleagues. You'll get brunch, lunch, and all refreshments included, it's a non-profit event with the proceeds going to the amazing education charity Ed Support. This isn't one to miss, it's on the 22nd of October at ETC venue St Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Everbright website to find out more. Um, It's also, the 22nd of October is also my niece's birthday. Um, just a little aside there. So, in the meantime, we have uh, a fantastic guest, somebody I've wanted to speak to for quite a while. But um, I'm not going to say he was poached, but he was poached by a, a fellow, a fellow um host. Um, so I waited and waited and waited until enough time had passed to to reinvite, not reinvent, of course, uh, the wonderful Nick Peachy, who he. Mm, I'm I'm trying to find the words to describe him in in a a brief way. Um, He's had many awards and accolades. Um, I would like to refer to him as, I think, the the godfather of ELT, EdTech perhaps, is is one of those um, things that comes immediately to mind. Um, Everybody's favourite teacher is another one that I like to say. Um, A previous guest, Jason, uh, mentioned that he was certainly his hero. He's one of mine as well. So, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Can you hear me, Nick?
2: Yeah, I can hear you.
1: Excellent. News. Um, just quite quiet.
2: Just, just finding the unmute button. Let's see if I ah, can turn it up. Is that getting loud?
1: There you go. It's perfect. I also had to turn my volume up as well. Um, so, Nick, before we continue, um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Um, because we, we only have just over an hour. If you tell everyone everything about yourself, then that will take the full hour.
2: Um, yeah, OK. So uh, I guess a bit about myself. I, I've been teaching, got into English language teaching kind of accidentally about 30 years ago. I started off as a guitar teacher. I studied music and, and uh, taught guitar in the local prison while I was a student and got into teaching that way and and when i finished my degree you know i thought i'd go and do a bit of teaching and save up some money i'm still trying to save the money 30 years (laughs) later but um, (laughs) but, uh, and then and i sort of but i got really hooked on teaching you know i did my shelter in cairo and worked with refugees there and worked for international house there and it really kind of hooked me in and you know so i went from teaching to teacher training did a master's in educational technology and, and started sort of um, got into the ed tech thing about the end of the last century, which makes me sound kind of old, doesn't it? And, uh, <laughs> which I am. And uh, I, I kind of got hooked on that and, and and went freelance for a while. And, and I've been doing sort of teacher teacher training and uh, developing products and helping ed tech companies. And back in 2016, I, won an Innovations Award for the first book that I wrote on digital video, and that sort of kicked off Peachy Publications, which is, you know, what is kind of my side hustle now. I still do sort of <laughs> contract work and still have the day job and do writing work and consultancy work for people. But in my in my free time, I put on my cape and become, you know, Nick Peachy Peachy Publications and, <laughs> and produce my own materials and sort of, you know, push that digital mark, digital, to, um, digital um, materials agenda
1: a bit, yeah. It is, um, and, and I'm going to say thank goodness that you did get into the, uh, the EdTech game uh, back when you did, because I know that it's, it's helped me an awful lot, a lot of what you've done, and I've, I've looked at it, various bits and pieces. Um, and even more recently, you, you helped me an awful lot on a project I'm working on, which we will talk about, but you mentioned the, the Innovation Award um, that you won. Mm-hmm. Back in 2016, um, you, you've you been a kind of a, a mainstay at the Innovation Awards since then, pretty much, haven't you? Well,
2: I, I, the one in 2016 was my second one, actually. I won one in 2012, too, and I've been shortlisted six times. So, you know, I, I keep sort of pushing things in there. I don't have anything in there this year, so I don't know if I even get an invite this year. But um, uh, yeah, so, but I, you know, I keep trying to sort of push things forward and, uh, you know, come up with new ideas and new ways of approaching things and things like that. But
1: I, I'm very lucky that this year, one of the projects that I I spearheaded, it's my first ever nomination this year. Um, we've been nominated for Student Resources uh, for Speak Up for Sustainability. But I don't know if I'll get a, an, an invite anyway, um, because it's for a large publisher. So, you know, they'll probably want their people there just in case they win the award. Despite the fact, you know, I'm not gonna say I did all the work, because I definitely didn't. There was a, a brilliant team that that worked on it, but it was a, it was a it it was a hard slog. It was a hard six-month slog. Um but it's it's an it's really exciting to to have been nominated um yeah and shortlisted so
2: yeah it's always great to when you look at all the other people up there and you think wow you know I'm up there with these you know that's really you know it's really quite an honor you know
1: exactly it's um i i was just you know delighted i know the you know there there are you know there are pluses and minuses positives and negatives as as there are with everything um and some people have their opinions of various award ceremonies and such. But for me to to have been nominated for this, it's, you know, it's kind of validation for taking that step into mm-hmm. freelancing and, and, and pushing the, the kind of sustainability focus as well, because it's when I started working on, you know, sustainability ideas back oof, in my classrooms, it must have been in sort of, you know, 2010, there was there was nothing done of it. And then, you know, slowly I started to see things coming out. And the last few years, it's been wonderful since ELT Footprint came about um, that, that there are more and more people um, talking about it. And, and it's wonderful to see that it's been, been nominated and we have this opportunity. Um, yeah, that's great. But yeah, we're not here to talk awards. Oh, thank you so much. We're not here to talk awards. Um, we're we're here to talk more about about tech and more specifically um let's start off by talking about telegram now i was approached by a few of my friends here here in the village telling me to get telegram on my phone to which i said no um i've already got whatsapp i've already got facebook i've already got instagram i've already got this i've already got that i just i just i didn't want more messaging apps for me to not message people um it's remarkable how well connected we are yet how we don't speak to people very often my my brother lives in australia and i've not spoken to him in about three months so Mm -hmm. you know that's my own fault um but yeah when they mentioned i should get telegram at first i just I I, i said no um and i didn't get it until i started working on a project um, with teacher training with with teachers in venezuela and i didn't know why um and i didn't know how to work it and there were all these brilliant videos um that i got to watch that you made obviously um and i sat there and i watched them i didn't realize quite how wonderful at all it was until i got into it so can you tell us a little bit more about the whole idea behind it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I had the same impression as you at first. You know, I, I understood it to be a kind of messaging app that, you know, was quite good on privacy kind of thing. And as I don't have much private conversation. I thought, why, why do I need that? But then when this project came up and we looked at, you know, well, you know, teachers in Venezuela have this and they use it a lot because of the privacy in a lot of ways. And so I thought, okay, well, let's have a look at what, what you can do with it. And it's a marvellous app. You can do so much with it. You know, you can, you can build your own social media stream if you want to. You can build blended learning. You can build online learning. You can deliver webinars, live webinars and screen share on it. It. you can have students work working on groups and de- deliver kind of remote learning on it it's just fantastic so you know I, I started off making those videos for for training there and you know I got so into it that I wrote a course about it and published a course on teaching with telegram so you know and we've we've had about I think 80 or 90 90 teachers on that so far I was really sort of knocked out because uh my my when i did my um uh masters in educational technology my tutors were diane slouty and gary mottram and, and gary mottram did my my course on telegram I was like oh my god oh that's amazing <laughs> so much you know <laughs> you know that was kind of uh i still haven't dared ask him what he thinks of it you know? <laughs> <laughs> No, it was crap we're ashamed of you that's, it was a terrible course <laughs> yeah what do you what are you, what are you doing <laughs>
1: Um, I, but yeah, I, I had no idea of its potential hmm. and, and I'll be honest as well, even when I started using it and I started teaching with it, I, it wasn't until probably the, the fourth or fifth hour, um, the fourth or fifth class that I actually started to realize its potential because it's not now it, it's not quite as, um, intuitive as using zoom when you're doing oh, a, like yeah. a. web class where you click you know share screen you breakout room there are things that you have to do to kind of get around that you know you Mm -hmm. you have to set up the groups beforehand and and stuff like that but but by the end of the the course you know there were 10 classes um we're we're starting again with the next module um in a week or so actually by the end of the course i could see how much i developed as a trainer but also how much the the teachers had developed themselves in, in using it because at first it was, you know, it was rainy season in Venezuela. So mm-hmm. teacher, I have bad connection. This was mm-hmm. as soon as we got started. So then it would just be me. The first week was just me sitting there talking through a PowerPoint. And you know how like yeah, yeah. there's nothing more mind numbing than that. And and I just thought the only reason the teachers are coming to this at the moment is to get a certificate you know they're not learning from this because this is just me talking about this it's not interesting for them They're, they're not they're not getting enough from it there were a few messages in the chat but nobody wanted to to open up their microphone and nobody could turn on their camera because their their connectivity wasn't great and even though telegram uses like less bandwidth they they weren't able to because it was rainy season hopefully it isn't anymore. Um, but as we went on, you know, we used these kind of breakout rooms where um, well, these other groups where they could go in and I could just immediately see them where well, they turn on their microphones a bit more. And then later on, they started turning on their cameras and and by the end of it, there wasn't enough time to finish the, 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 the PowerPoint. You know, there was enough content in the PowerPoint for an hour, but when you've got the, the students, the teachers, the participants, there actually speaking and participating, it uses up a lot of that time. Yeah, so it, it was just amazing for me um, to kind of start to learn that. And, and I guess I need to take your course, to be honest, because I need to know more. Um, mm-hmm. So what else can we do with Telegram and how can we do
2: it? I mean, one of the things that I, I'm really into at the moment is I started a, an EdTech and ELT updates channel. And on this channel, you know, I can share links. I've built a sort of a community part of it as well, so people can participate if they want to. But I share links, and after you share links, you can just click on this little button and record a one minute video to talk through what what the link's about. So it really sort of enables you to sort of project some of who you are into the the feed, rather than doing just this sort of bland feed with, you know, here's a link to this, here's a link to that. You can actually talk about things and it's really quick to do. So it's quick to update. So it doesn't take up too much of my time. And it, you kind of really build, you know, you enable to people to kind of engage with you a bit more as well. So that, I mean, that's one of the things that I like doing with it. That's um,
1: brilliant. Like for those of you who couldn't see me, my, my, my mouth was just left gaping by that one because that's the kind of thing that when you have these, these online classes these online groups once a week you know you give them their homework to do they have to go off they have to do their pre-course task or whatever if they have the opportunity you know to find an interesting link and talk about it Mm -hmm. at some point during the week you know that means that they're going to be more involved they're going to be not only thinking about it five minutes before
2: yeah that's right yeah and you know it's it's i think it's Often, though, with, like your experience of working with the Venezuelan teachers is it starts slowly and, you know, they start off with the microphones on, but as they build confidence, they, they turn the camera on. It's kind of amazing how shy teachers can be about turning the camera on. You know, we all teach in front of pe- lots of people who are looking at us the whole time. We go to conferences and talk, but when you put somebody in front of a camera and they can see themselves, you know, all of a sudden they they become very shy it's a, an interesting phenomenon I think.
1: It really I taught, is. A, I no, no, it,
2: please go on. I taught a course um, years ago on, uh, it was Moodle based course but you know one of the tools we used was this little tool for recording video clips of yourself talking to engage with your students and you know, it was amazing how shy the teachers were and I had a couple who would wear hats and dark glasses and I had a guy actually in Seville who, who he, he would come on, and he'd have a bucket over his head with eye holes cut in it, and things like that, he got really extreme, and a big hat on top of the bucket, you know, things like that but you know, it's amazing how how shy t- teachers can be. But it is a great way to develop your teaching and, and a better understanding of your body language and how you're using it. You know, I think that's something that I've really got from zoom as well. Um, from doing so many sort of video conferences and, and, and sort of video presentations over the, the kind of last couple of years, you stand up in front of the camera and you see yourself, you're monitoring yourself and you start to sort of think, oh yeah, I could use this a bit more and work with the body language a lot more, I think. and that, That's important, I think that hopefully when I go back to speaking physically again, my body language will be better and you know that will have improved the what I do.
1: It is so true. And like I can see Nick here and he it it almost feels like a mirror image because I throw my arms all over the place while I'm giving talks on online and well when I'm doing it face to face as well. But like like you say, the these like couple of years of being able to observe yourself have been so useful for me with with that kind of thing with my body language with my pacing and stuff like that and and sometimes realizing maybe i need to move my hands less than i do um uh my my wife often teases me um for various reasons um but one of them is i have the, this movement where i'm I'm obviously i just i repeat my hand movements forwards and forwards and forwards and i keep doing it to like show sequencing and i really noticed this with the with this mm-hmm. kind of online switch um and it has been remarkable for me uh this whole switching to online for my own personal development and as you say with these teachers in venezuela i think one of the the biggest issues when it comes to um when it comes to the the whole shyness factor is they're english teachers but maybe their english level isn't quite what they hope it would be yeah. so when they're faced with now i don't want I'm, I'm just going to say a you know an experienced English teacher you know with a with a a proficient level of english um when they're faced with that, perhaps they get a little nervous as well that um I know when I used to speak in Spanish, I had quite a lot of inadequacy, not when I was speaking to people who could speak not when I was speaking to people from Spain, but when I was speaking to people who were, you know, English speakers who could speak Spanish really well, I would get shy then and mm-hmm. I'd kind of go into myself a little bit. And until I learned to lose that that shame, um, then I didn't really improve very much yeah. with my with my Spanish. And I can see that with the teachers, um, with yeah. their English.
2: I think often there's, there's a lot of fear as well, because, you know, they actually in you know, a lot of times they actually don't know how good they are because you know they're, they're teaching english they've learned english uh, and but you know they don't or often get that much opportunity to interact in English I mean I think Ventisol, the the teachers Association in in Venezuela is great because you know they when they get together they still use English together and you know and that must be really difficult and uh, but you know to know that you could do it so much easier in your first language but you know they they sort of really push to use the language. But it must be quite difficult if you haven't spoken to anyone for a while to know, well, you know, am I any good? Are they going to understand me? What happens if they don't understand me? And, you know, all my peers are around me and they're thinking, oh, my God, you know, he's supposed to be an English teacher. You know, what's he doing? You know, but it's exactly it must, it that stressful. Yeah,
1: it's exactly that with their peers in the in the chat with them, in the, yeah. you know, in the telegram conversation at the same time. It, is, it, it seems like that's the, the main fear that they, mm. you know, they don't want to embarrass themselves in front of their, their colleagues because maybe one of them has a better level of English or, mm. or, or not necessarily a better level, but a better conversational level. Because yeah. as you say, when, when you've been teaching anything really for, for a while, it sometimes, particularly with English and particularly if you're teaching the kind of same year group, year after year you end up teaching the same thing again and again and again and you go in with your same kind of lesson plan and, and in the end you've got your your lesson on on the present perfect then you're going to go in you're going to teach your lesson on the present perfect and that lesson your english is perfect because yeah. you know that lesson like the, the the back of your hand but as soon as you come into a, a kind of conversation that's yeah, there's lots of unknowns
2: going on, aren't there? When you're in real conversation, it's difficult. But uh, I, I want to just sort of go back to some things that you're saying a bit earlier about, you know, you know, having to use Telegram and going into Zoom and, and these last sort of two, three years. And I think, you know, despite the fact that the the pandemic was a really terrible thing that happened, you know, I think, you know, it's pushed English language teaching, the use of technology teaches knowledge of technology so far forward in that time, you know, it's really, you know, accelerated people's acceptance and engagement with it as well. And I think, you know, if there's anything good that's come out of the pandemic, I think, I hope that that's it really, you know, I, I mean, personally now I I feel I I look around at the sort of things um, teachers are doing with technology and and I start to think well maybe I've you know maybe I don't need to do this anymore maybe or maybe I'm not up to it maybe you know (laughs) things have gone past me now and uh, you know so but I think it's really good that that so many teachers have really you know engaged with it and embraced it and done some marvellous things you know
1: there really are some incredible things. Um, a big shout out to, to Charlie of Charlie's Lessons, yeah. of course, um, who immediately springs to mind um, when, when we're talking about kind of ed tech and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, that has his passion for that has did spring from the, the pandemic because he's a director of studies mm-hmm. and he had to get his head around a lot of these things. And, and yes, yeah, it's, it's there have been some wonderful things to come out of it. And it's quite bizarre for me because it, you know, I i i look at my mum who's also an english teacher um she she actually followed me into the profession she mm-hmm. she retired her my, my my father and her both retired at 50 because you know people could then um <laughs> not as easy anymore um but they then saw what i was doing and they they followed me into the profession and they traveled around for about a decade and, and lived in spain and poland and latvia and germany and italy and france And they did an awful lot of teaching um then they went back they now live in wales and they kind of had a a hiatus from teaching which started around march 2020 um (laughs) and ended um while my mum started doing a few classes again probably four or five months ago and the first thing she did was she got on the phone and was just like it's so hard this online teaching. It's so difficult. It's just not the same, and that's because her hiatus coincided with that intensive training part, where mm-hmm. you know every teacher on the planet was thrown into you have to teach online now, and there was that instant kind of I'm going to call it a Zoom training. It wasn't necessarily Zoom. You know, it could have been Teams or Google Meet or whatever. And I've not ever seen any profession in my life adapt so quickly to something. I'm not going to say seamlessly, because it wasn't seamlessly. No, it wasn't. But, you know, with so adeptly to, to be able to do that and to come out of it, you know, with these flying colours.
2: Yeah yeah and I certainly hope you know a lot of that is retained I hope people don't just sort of think oh well we can go back in the classroom now and let's forget all that, that stuff you know I hope people sort of keep, keep that and, and think about what they can take back into the classroom and, and the physical classroom to make that experience better you know
1: well yeah we, we were talking beforehand about conferences and such um, mm-hmm. we are I guess, fans of conferences. I mean, I, I, I like conferences. I like learning from other people. It's one of my favorite types of CPD. Um, and conferences are, are a wonderful place for that. Um, and yeah, this this idea of now we can go back to face-to-face, we automatically go back to face-to-face is, is an idea that maybe should be challenged. And yes, let's have face-to-face because I love face-to-face conferences, but let's use the tech that we've got and let's make them hybrid and make them available to, to everyone across the world.
2: Yeah, certainly, I, I think we should be doing that. I mean, the uh, the thing that worries, in, in a way, one of the things that worries me most about the face-to-face conferences, again, is, is sort of an issue that you have, which is, you know, if, your footprint, your your kind of environmental footprint for all these people flying to this place. You know, I mean, I, I've I've signed up for for Ayataple to go to Ayataple next year, and and I'm thinking that that's you know what nearly two thousand, maybe over two thousand people now getting flights, you know, to to do something that we could do online, you know, and. I, I, I'm sort of wonder, I mean, it's great to be there. And it's great to meet people. And it isn't just about the learning. It's about, you know, seeing people that you know, and having chats in the coffee, while you're having coffee and stuff like that. But you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's just a huge impact on the environment to, to keep having these things.
1: Exactly. And the, and another thing is the kind of accessibility of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, IETEFL, for example, isn't exactly cheap to get to um, in terms of everything. And, and all yeah. conferences in general aren't exactly cheap to get to. And, and having that kind of hybrid option, something that yeah. the Innovate ELT are doing this weekend, actually, it does allow for that opportunity for the, the, the less expensive um, option as well, you know, for the, the hybrid yeah. option where you can perhaps pay a slightly smaller fee um, and, perhaps you don't get as much from it but also it leaves the opportunity to record all of these wonderful Mm -hmm. um webinars and such and and in terms of a hybrid conference for me all that really needs to be is a camera it's not the same as a hybrid classroom you don't have to have the same connectivity with your students um I love hybrid teaching, to be honest. Um, I know a lot of people absolutely loathe it. I think I love it because I only have one class, which is hybrid, um, and they were kind of cherry picks as well. And now we've been doing it for two and a half years. It, we've very much gotten into the routine of it. Um, I, I love having the two classes in one. I think for a conference, it's, it's tailor-made for that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sort of most speakers are basically just you know, speaking like delivering a lecture kind of speaking. I know that, you know, most of us try to get some interaction and some pair work going and things like that. But, you know, it's not too demanding to sort of actually involve people who are also online. I don't think that's a, that's not a big ask. You know, most of the conferences that I've, been, I've done for the last few years, even before the, academic, the, the epidemic, I was using a, a back channel with them so that, you know, people could interact with each other through the back channel. So, you know, that's, you know, it, which is like sort of having chat on when you when you're doing a Zoom, if you like. So I think, you know, it's, it's not a big ask to sort of, you know, handle that
1: yeah chuck a chuck a computer and a webcam in there and you know and and you're good to go i think it's yeah it's it's a trick that's maybe not being missed but kind of being overlooked because conference organizers want to have bums on seats as it were Mm -hmm. you know you want to have the the paying customers turning up and going there rather than saying well if i can watch this Mm -hmm. from home but but that idea that you know particularly developing nations they've had so many opportunities with the pandemic to to learn from experienced people from across the world um i know for me the opportunity to see people like you know tyson seaburn speak it was not something i had without the the pandemic and Mm -hmm. you know i could sit there and watch these webinars um and I, i think it's taking a bit away from those which we've been you know we've been handed this this opportunity on a platter with things like telegram and zoom. Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah. I certainly think it's something we should maintain. Definitely.
1: Absolutely. So let's, I want to talk a bit more about EdTech um, because it is, I'm not going to say your, your speciality, but it's certainly what you're known for um, as well as guitar teaching, apparently on that guitar teaching, who's the greatest guitarist of all time? Something I ask all guitarists.
2: Uh, probably Pat Metheny, I think. He's a, okay. a jazz guitarist. I, I uh, it, stupid story. Um, I, I first saw him play when I was about uh, eighteen, nineteen. I was uh, I was at home and I I I, I sort of walked into the room and my brother and sister were watching Joni Mitchell concert on on the TV and, and this guy was playing guitar for her. And uh, I had never heard anyone play the guitar like that. And, uh, and I decided, I want to do that. And as a result of that, I ended up doing a degree in music and instead of being a cleaner, which I was before. Oh, there you go. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. Um, my my favorite, I'm not a guitarist, but my favorite guitarist is Paco de Lucia, who's yeah. obviously a flamenco guitarist. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's a great debate to have. It's, it's especially a good debate to have when there's more than one guitarist in the room. Um, mm-hmm. To just kind of drop that in there and just walk off and watch them fight about it. That's something I love to do when I'm with my uncle. Um, anyway, slightly off topic there. Um, going back to, to EdTech, you said you started in the kind of the early part of, of the century, um, you said, which, as you say, made it sound like a long time ago. Well, you...
2: I guess the late part of the last century, actually. I think I, I started my, my master's in educational technology about 99 and uh, 98 99 and i first my first sort of ed tech teaching job was in 98 and at that point there was it was with a company called net languages uh, in barcelona and at that point students would sort of download uh, interactive activities do them on their computer and then they'd telephone me for a, a, a the speaking part kind of thing and i'd check through their sort of online their online work but and uh, no, and then I, I kind of got into um, online environments and uh, learning environments and, and I, I used something called NiceNet, um, which was a kind of a, an, an LMS where you could sort of upload your students, they could interact through messages and post their work on there and stuff like that. That was about 99, 2000. And, uh,
1: You've literally seen it all.
2: I don't know if I've seen it all because you know educational technology actually goes back quite a way before that. You know the the CAL, as it used to be known, computer assisted language learning. You know was very big in the sixties or and in the fifties Skinner and his teaching machines. He had these kind of machines that were had these paper rolls in and they students would sort of fill a bit in and then wind a the handle and get the answers and then fill another bit in like your kind of gap fill and answers kind of thing. So these things have been. It's not. As new as people think. It's, it's interesting because I had a, a a conversation just after the pandemic um, started. I got called up by a, a couple of uh, school directors and they wanted to have a chat about you know what should they should do and things like that. And one of them said to me, he said, it, it feels like we've been dragged 10 years into the future. And I said, Well, actually, not really. You've been dragged 10 years into the present because, you know, things like Zoom, Adobe Connect, things like that, they've been around a long time. They're not new. You know, they've been around sort of 10, 15 years at least. You know, so this isn't something that we've suddenly been able to do because of the pandemic. You know, but there's been a lot of resistance, I think, through uh, within teaching and, uh, you know, within English language teaching to these kinds of technologies. And and now that's sort of going, I hope
1: yeah it's it's funny you, you mentioned that about zoom about maybe a year prior to the pandemic i did a podcast on zoom and it was my first experience with it and i realized in that moment that this was a wonderful tool for online teaching mm-hmm. um it was considerably better than skype which was a, a, oh, a horrible thing i i, I, I yeah um And yet I I realized that when it did come around to it, it was something I'd actually had experience with um, and had been working on, which was lucky for me because um, it meant I could help other people. Um, And as a teacher, that's what you want to do, isn't it? You want to help people. And um, that kind of fell fell into my lap, as it were, because I had used it previously and most people hadn't even heard of it
2: yeah i spent a couple of years from 2014 to 2016 working with a, an online school and uh, called english up and we, we 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 had 70 teachers around the world you know and they taught students in brazil using something similar to zoom and and you know the company struggled quite a bit and and we decided to sort of we'd built a platform and we decided to go and sell it to schools we thought it was a great idea to go to schools and say look you could set up your own online school and we went around all these different schools particularly here in the uk trying to convince people that this was a great idea and they were you know there were some of them were literally like get out of my office, you know, you, what are you doing here? And uh, and I kind of think now, I'd like to have a chat with those people again now and see how they feel about it. But but it was really, you know, it was just an impossible sale. And in the end, the company would just fold it up, you know.
1: Yeah, for me, I, I remember using WebEx as well a while mm-hmm. back. And it's just... It was, it was just not very user-friendly. Um, and yeah, the yeah. thing that struck me about Zoom straight away was just how user-friendly it was. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, so the pandemic was a huge, um, again, not push to the future, but drag to the present. Prior to that, what would you say were some of the the biggest developments um, in terms of of EdTech? Um, I know we recently said goodbye to Edmodo, which, uh,
2: yeah.
1: which was a sad day.
2: I, I guess it's the whole Web 2.0 thing, you know. You know, previously to before about two thousand and five, you know, most you know, like when I first started getting into educational technology. If you wanted to have a website, you had to write HTML code, you know, and it took a while. And you know, and there are a few forums around, and you could sort of maybe code a forum or, or download some code a forum. But you know, when things like when platforms start like youtube started kicking in where which supplied the platform for you and you could just sort of you know sign in and and have your own platform kind of thing have your own youtube channel you know start interacting with people very easily online you know i think that that really had a huge impact because it went from being sort of broadcast medium to being interactive medium and you know you could have discussions with people and people could create their own content and you know that i think that was sort of a huge turning point really
1: yeah it's, it's been absolutely massive i remember the, the first time I ever had a student come into my classroom and show me their video on YouTube, you know, they, yeah. they were like, look, I've got a video on YouTube. And this was, this was a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it was probably about three years after that, that the next student I had showed me their video <laughs> on yeah. YouTube and then probably another two years until the next one. But from probably about 2016 ish, when I was started working, um, in a school, I think about fifty percent of the class wanted to be youtubers, mm-hmm. so about fifty percent of the class would come in and be like harry harry I, I want to show you my video on youtube, Harry, I want to show you my video on youtube so it, it was almost you know an endless stream of yeah. um, of people wanting to show me their videos on youtube and I really found I could tap into that as a you know as a teacher as an educator and this desire for people to show themselves on video—they don't want to speak in English, but they want to be on video. So suddenly, you get them to speak in English on video, and it's—it's it's like a magical thing. And,
2: and now YouTube's kind of—that's for old people. It's TikTok now. It's got you got to be on TikTok, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's great. I, I think the other, you know, the other big point I think was the iPhone, the birth of the iPhone, really, and you know, getting sort of content onto mobile devices that that had a good user experience you know so you could start watching videos on 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 your phone and your tablet and things like that i think this sort of really changed a lot of things you know before that mobile learning i mean there was mobile learning knocking about before the iphone but it was you know it was pretty crap experience but all of a sudden you know you had this good screen and and you know you could really see things and interact through it and it was easy to do you know so I think that was another
1: big turning point. uh, It's absolutely massive. Um, And again, you can see it. Everybody has a phone now. like Everybody, everywhere has a phone. So it has, again, you know, it's spread the reach of education to to places that you would never even imagine. I know I I worked on a a project, um, the Pearson and BBC Live Classes, which actually won an an Innovation Award a few years back. Um, So I guess... I was kind of involved with that. So I guess it's my second nomination. But anyway, that wasn't anything to do with me except I was a trainer, um, going back to that. But yeah, the fact that from that and being able to, to join all of these different um, areas, all of these different classes around the world, I, I never thought I'd have that opportunity. And you know, I've built relationships with people in India, in Brazil, in Mexico. Um, and almost all of those were joining through their phone. You know, they, yeah. um, the teacher would certainly be on their phone. Maybe they'd have it up on a projector as well in the classroom in, in you know, the schools that were better off, obviously. Um, but when the pandemic hit, the, the live classes got incredibly popular. Obviously, it was mm-hmm. an hour of free teaching that the teachers didn't have to do um, online. They could just send their students there straight away. Every single person, every student was on their phone. And, you know, we had classes of up to 500 students at a time, um, obviously without video because that would just be a nightmare. Um, but, yeah, we'd have 500 students in a class and they were all on their phone. So, mm-hmm. and that kind of yeah, it brings us back to, to Telegram. And the reason we use Telegram is that.
2: Yeah. It's, it's great for the phone. I mean, it has a really nice, as a teacher, I, I kind of run it on the desktop because, you know, the interface is that much easier to use. And if you're doing the presentation or something like that as well, then it really helps. But, uh, you know, from the, from the user experience and for, for users, it's very easy and lightweight on your phone and doesn't take up too much data. And, uh, you know, and it's a really good experience and a nice experience and, and very varied as well. So I think that's great.
1: I, I always use the, the, I'm pointing at my computer, trying to remember the desktop version. Mm. There you go. I was pointing at it thinking, what, what is this thing sitting in front of me? Ah, oh, yes, the desktop. Yes, yeah, as, as the facilitator, I, I always use it there. Mm. Um, I, the one thing I don't use Telegram for is a chat app.
2: Yeah, that's me too. I never message. Well, there's maybe one person I message on it, but the rest of it is, you know, going through channels. And, you know, I pick up a lot of news on it these days as well. You know, you can go to news channels. I follow what's happening in Ukraine quite closely because I lived there for a while and have friends there and stuff like that so and it's a really good place to sort of tap into that new kind of news and get updates immediately you know lots of things that you won't get through you know um uk-based news or through cnn or bbc or anything like that so it's good to you can do so much and get so much information with it you know it's great i think
1: it is yeah i I literally message one person we probably message the same person to be honest um
2: does it begin with W? It does. It
1: absolutely does begin with W. Um, that is the only person I message on Telegram. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tool that I'm slowly kind of getting used to. And yeah, this yeah. I, this idea of channels and stuff like that it's it's something that I would like to kind of introduce more to my yeah. to my the the trainees, the participants in the course yeah. that I'm doing yeah Um, i mean
2: if you want to build blended learning and you want to build an asynchronous channel with sort of different material there that they can pick up and do in their own time it's great for things like that you know you can do make polls make quizzes and you know post video post attachments post links to all kinds of stuff and and it's easy for them to pick up and discuss whenever they want to so you know i i think you know for that it's really great you know, it's, and, and of course, it's free as well. So, you know, so any teacher, I think particularly for teachers who want to work independently as well, like if you want to set up as a private teacher doing one to one classes or small group classes, you know, it's a great tool for doing that. You don't have to pay anything for it. There are no limits on how many students you can have and, and stuff like that. So that that's fantastic. you know.
1: Yeah, I absolutely just thought it was WhatsApp at first. Like, I, yeah. I literally thought it's just WhatsApp.
2: Yeah, me too. It
1: couldn't be further from WhatsApp. Like it's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I'm trying to compare it to another app. It's, it's a, a bit like a combination between WhatsApp, Zoom, and Twitter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe yeah. is would be the best way that I can.
2: Yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, the, the yeah, because yeah, it has the. I'm trying the, the channels thing is something that I'm you know I, I literally started looking at it the day before yesterday um, to to kind of get more into it and see the these ideas. Um,
2: I'll send you a link to my EdTech and ELT channel. And you please can, do. You can follow and have a look at what's going on in there. And, uh, please do. And so, sort of, you know I've, I've, i it started off as a channel which I was just broadcasting on at first on first and now i've sort of added a kind of community bit onto it so you know to allow people in the community there's about 400 people on it now so they can start interacting with each other if they want to and post things there but you know that community part takes a while to get up and running but you know
1: yeah I had written down to join it in my notes here, so if you send me a link that be, would be that, be that would be even more useful than, than me having to try and look for something because as you know, nowadays we don't want to have to look for something we just want to click a link um, If we can't just click a link, it's no good.
2: yeah, too much hassle.
1: <laughs> exactly I need uh, yeah all I, I just want the link directly there. Um, it's actually quite funny because i, I, I had I sent um, a message to somebody on Instagram. And the links don't, they're not a direct click link on Instagram and they have to copy and paste it. Um, And their response was, here's my phone number. Could you send me that link on WhatsApp? I was just like, you can copy and paste it, man. It's it's not that difficult. It's um, so that's, that's another point about ed tech of sorts that I I did want to talk about. Has it made us lazy?
2: um it then depends who us are I guess I think it maybe makes lazy people lazier I don't know it might make us a little less uh, I don't know a, a little less um willing to sort of work at things you know I um and I feel that a bit although I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing you know now when I see a new app or I see a new website, whether it's mobile or or browser-based, you know, I expect to be able to learn how to use it within 10 to 15 minutes, you know. And if I can't, I think, well, this hasn't been very well designed. You know, they've, they they've messed up their use, user experience kind of thing, which is maybe a bit unfair um, because, you know, really sort of for, for me, Telegram took a bit longer than that. And, it, you know, and it's been worth putting that extra time in. But so there maybe expectations is, is, is different. You expect to get things much quicker and much more easily.
1: Yeah I certainly feel that with you know with stuff like you know Kahoot and Blockit you know that mm-hmm. there are guides out there on how to use it um, which, which are great but the way I used them was I wanted to just be able to click in there and go and mm-hmm. not, not even need to watch yeah. a walkthrough or anything like that. In fact what I wanted was that it was easy enough for my daughter, who's nine, to get onto the computer and be able to do it straight away. Like that's you yeah, know, that's, my, that's my daughter can
2: usually do stuff quicker than I can, and she's seven. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah.
1: She yeah, teaches abs- me,
2: she's really into roadblocks and she's taught me so much about roadblocks, but she'll still sit and watch, she does sit and watch tutorial videos and finds out how to do things and then does them, comes tell me, it comes and tells me how to do them. Sort of different games that she'd learned and things like that.
1: I think that's something that, you know, we have to look at as, as a positive thing for, you mm-hmm. know, the younger generation with the the YouTube aspect of life that, they are ready to watch a tutorial on how to do something. Hmm. You know, really? with perhaps with our generations, a bit more like I, I want to be able to do it, and if I can't do it, that's annoying. Um, hmm. But you know, my my daughter, she loves YouTube, and she'll she'll sit and watch uh, a walkthrough on how to do something. Um, I remember it was when we were teaching her to to tie her laces. You know, we, we did it with her. We sat there we did it with her um banged our head against a brick wall for hours on end um <laughs> but then we put a, a tutorial on and then we went through it with her again and i don't know if it's something about how people learn now mm. younger generations learn yeah. but I, or, or whether it's i don't particularly want to learn this from my parents um but there is that kind of that desire and that ability to absorb this information and use these YouTube tutorials.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my daughter's amazing. She's she's uh, she speaks Spanish fluently, and she's never been to Spain. She watches YouTube videos in Spanish and things like. That. Her mother's Venezuelan, so they speak Spanish together. But but here in the UK, so you know, she's never been to a Spanish-speaking country in in her. Well, she was when she was one, but she doesn't remember that. And yet she sort of speaks fluently be, 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 between, you know, having having YouTube and, and speaking with her mother. And it's funny because she, I, her mother started to pick up some Spanish Spanish as well, you know, because my daughter was picking picking it up from YouTube because she was watching sort of Spanish Spanish videos and the, and then sort of using these words with, with her mother and she started to pick them up and she's like, what am I doing? What am I saying?
1: <laughs> you know. Why am I saying that? That's amazing. If if she does ever want to um, go to a Spanish-speaking country, there's plenty of space here mm. in, in Casa Renewable for you and your family.
2: i oh. oh, um, send her over.
1: So, well, you can come as well. You're more than welcome. <laughs> you, you know? um, as is your wife. Um, my daughter's kind of had it in reverse. I mean, she has had the opportunity mm. to visit English speaking countries Um, you know her grandparents live in in the UK Um, it's not as difficult to get to the UK as it is to get to Venezuela so um, she has been over but you know it's kind of been the opposite she's she's fluent in in English and and Spanish uh, the same but in this case her mum is again Spanish but I'm English and she's living in Spain and watching TV in English and, and going speak to school in Spanish. the whole time yeah. exactly yeah. usually usually yeah. we kind of speak this this kind of weird mix of where well, spanglish and it's you know sentences are so strange and bizarre sometimes i stop myself and i think I I just imagine somebody listening to that just thinking what on earth are these people talking about you know nobody can understand it (laughs) instead of you know unless you're bilingual then you you just don't well I'm not bilingual but my Spanish is okay Um, but yeah unless you speak both languages that sentence will make absolutely no sense to you so Mm -hmm. um, there is that kind of thing but it is thanks largely to technology Um, again we look back to the pandemic and Every kid had too much screen time during the lockdown. Let's be honest. Every kid had way too much screen time because homeschooling shouldn't be six hours a day. You know, it shouldn't be the same as in school. It should be a couple of hours a day. But we all still have to work. You know, capitalism is what it is. So my my daughter had more screen time than, than she has now. Um, and I'm quite ashamed as an English teacher to admit it. But she was six at the time. She she turned six just after the pandemic. So she was five at the time. She learned to read in English from playing a game on the tablet. It was a game called Clumsy Ninja. um, And you had to read what they were saying. It didn't say it. Um, You had to read what they were saying to be able to move on to the next mission. Mm-hmm. And she literally taught herself. Obviously, we'd read to her her entire life, you know. And she'd mm-hmm. she'd learn how to read in Spanish. She taught herself how to read by playing this game, um, mm-hmm. which I look back on it with with kind of horror, but also think that was great. Like she could yeah, then yeah. read in English, and now everything—well, not everything. She reads in. She loves reading, and she reads in both Spanish and English. But that kind of side of ed tech and learning from technology is so useful Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
2: I mean, I can remember when I first started teaching and, and you know, I first started in, in Cairo and then in, in Kiev, in Ukraine, and sort of being able to get, I mean, this is 30 years ago, so even being able to get a newspaper that my students could read was difficult. You know, and we, if we got one, we'd cut it up and use every single bit in class because it was real, it was authentic, and we could prove to them, look, you, yeah, you can really use your, you can use what you're learning because for a lot of students, it was like, you know, why am I learning this I'm never going to need this you know when am I ever going to use this you know and that that was you know to now the opportunity the access is fantastic you know
1: well yeah it's it's now there are now no questions as to yeah. when am I going to use this or why should I learn this because everybody knows that they they kind of just need it you know <laughs> this is
2: and, you know the opportunity rightly is or wrong there, thing. isn't it really you know it's just there
1: exactly, exactly. now it's it's perhaps not the right thing to say as a, as a teacher and and as a writer um and as somebody who who makes a living from um materials and such but there is so much out there that if you were a well driven individual you could perhaps not easily but you could learn a language you could certainly learn english
2: mm-hmm.
1: with with nothing but You know, EdTech and, you know, maybe a little bit of guidance. I think we still need teachers. I think teachers are absolutely brilliant. But the opportunities are there now, thanks to Mm EdTech. Yeah, yeah, I
2: think so too.
1: Now, I've got a question for you in just a moment. If you'll just hang in with me a moment, I'm just going to quickly read this out for everybody, that with a Slack group, uh, I'm going to try and see if my technology is working again. Perhaps you could tell me more about Podbean afterwards, because... For me, it's been very interesting recently. No, it isn't going to work, so I'll read it out for you. With a Slack Group are a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you uh, to help them achieve even more. Uh, With a Slack, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits that industry has to offer. With a Slack, currently have some fantastic career opportunities to apply for. Check out www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Charlie Burley, uh, the teacher's health coach, has a new event called Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and well-being in school. There are speakers such as Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger and many more. There'll be talks, workshops and time to network with like-minded colleagues. You'll get brunch, lunch and all the refreshments included. It's a non-profit event with the proceeds going to the amazing education charity Ed Support. This isn't one to miss. It's on the 22nd of October at ETC Venue St. Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. Thank you very much for for hanging in with me there, Nick. Now, my next question, big question. Duolingo, what's your opinion?
2: Um, I'm not a big fan of Duolingo, actually. I, I you. know a lot of people who've tried it, gone on about how fantastic it is and then given up after two weeks. But having said that, I did meet someone yesterday who'd been sticking with it for three years to learn Spanish. And um, I, I mean, I, he certainly wasn't at a level that, that you would be if if you'd would if you gone to a class for three years, but, you know, he could do a little bit, which, which was quite good. But, you know, I think... No, for me it's not yeah, that's not what it's about really. I don't think that's
1: I I'm not gonna say I hate Duolingo. Um, I don't hate it. And I don't think it's a total waste of time if you're going to class. Yeah. If you're going to class, I think it could be useful to reinforce certain aspects of what you're learning. But I did a full year. I went through I did I actually did ended up doing four hundred and eight days of Italian. Um oh at which point I was like, this is taking up too much memory on my phone and not enough memory in my head. Because, yeah, I I remember posting a tweet after the full year, um, basically saying that I, you know, I'd I'd learned almost nothing, almost nothing on it. I saw a fantastic reel on Instagram the other day of how the world would be if we all learned languages through Duolingo. Um, I'll I'll send it to you. I recommend everybody checks it out because it's just so bizarre it's yeah. it's so contrived and as i say if you're learning a language if you've got that you know if you have that teacher there that's there to help you and so on and so forth and you're using it solely as you know something to reinforce and to perhaps learn a bit more then it's great but otherwise it's just in the end it became a bit of a a pain in the backside um to put yeah. it politely that i oh to maintain my streak i just have to do this again and i was just it was useless and my my daughter was using it simultaneously to learn japanese because she loves karate and one day she'd love to go to japan and i'll be honest she was much better she could recognize quite a lot of the the i can't remember the names of them the symbols that are called I'm feeling awful now for not remembering. But anyway, she could remember you loads... or
2: something. Yes, like
1: it's that. Kenji. Thank you so much. Um, you saved the day. Um, yes, yeah, she, she could recognise loads of them and she could say what they were. I said, but what does it mean? Oh, I don't know. And she was like, That's Shen, you know, that's Jen. That's what does that mean? I don't know. I just know that it's Shen. So, I
2: mean, that, that's the thing about learning language. In order to learn language, you have to learn more than language. You know i personally i, I mean i think a, a good language lesson in a good le- language lesson you should come out with it th- out of it with three things you should learn have learned something more about the language you should have learnt something more about of the world through the language and you should have learnt something more about of yourself through interacting with people and with you know the content and things like that, you know, with with things like Duolingo and these kind of automated things where you, you know, you fill in gaps or you, you you, you speak into a gap, you know, they have limited use because they're not emotionally engaging and learning needs to be an emotionally engaging process, you know, it needs to touch you in some way to, 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 to become, you know, relevant for you to really remember these things, I think, and, and, you know, Duolingo doesn't do that. You know, it makes you move your mouth. And, uh, you know, but...
1: Yeah, well, you need feedback. Your feedback needs to be more than an owl saying, congratulations, you got four Mm -hmm. lingots for your work today. Um, Mm -hmm. What are you going to spend them on? Um, Well, nothing. Uh, So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. I mean, I have tried other language learning apps that I think are an improvement on it. Mm -hmm. But as with with all language learning apps, I I think if you're using that as your your sole educator, then it's going to take a a long time to get there. You know, there are so many Mm -hmm. other ways to engage with the language. Now, it doesn't even have to be with a teacher necessarily. Um, One of the big things that that I do with my my teenagers, one of the big homeworks that I, I set my teenagers, obviously, they're all gamers. You know, they've they've all got mm. a PS5. I just tell them your homework today is to go and, and like go and game with people in English. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you have, to... so I remember a few years back, I said, you have to go and play Fortnite for at least half an hour with somebody in English. And it was brilliant because, you know, I was getting my students to, I was writing a note for them to take to their, their parents to say they had to play Fortnite mm-hmm. that night. Um, And they were, you know, they got so engaged in it and they came back the next day and they were, again, they were learning from it. They were speaking to people in other countries and it wasn't always, in fact, it was very rarely somebody from, you know, the UK or the USA or Australia, Mm, South Africa. It was usually somebody from Germany or or Poland or something like that. It was just almost never um, Mm. uh, a so-called native speaker of English it was it was almost always a second uh, learner and one of my best ever students Julian um, this was a good 10 years ago um, he was a huge Xbox fan and would always game in English mm-hmm. and he had, was one of the most fluent 12 year olds I'd, I'd ever had in my life it was brilliant absolutely fantastic some of the, the the natural language he came out with and the swearing was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'd never met a 12-year-old with such an awful potty mouth, but it was always in the correct context. So, <laughs> you know, I found it very difficult to tell him, obviously I told him off, it's not okay for 12-year-olds to be swearing, um, in class especially, um, but he was using it properly. Um, so I was, I was quite impressed with his, his use of it, to be honest. And I think in terms of, you know, when we talk about ed tech, we need to look at these things that aren't necessarily talked about as ed tech, just tech yeah. in general.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, m- most of the things that are made for language learning are, are don't come anywhere close to being as good as the things that are made for, you know, a a genuine purpose and a genuine use to help people communicate or you know like like facebook for instance you know i'm sure people get you know quite a lot out of that like games you know uh, that have a social aspect to them you know um you know i I find sort of most made for kind of made for language development with kind of content in it things like duolingo are just a bit weak really there's no there's no personal engagement no no emotional engagement with those things,
1: you know. Exactly. And you mentioned something a bit earlier that I'm I'm gonna circle back to now. And it's something that it's it's always involved in in whatever talk I give, I always talk about TikTok.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because TikTok isn't just designed for, you know, for for communication or whatever. It's designed to be addictive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's made to drag you in, you know, you've got your short attention span, you can just click through it. Um, and it's another homework that I now give to my teenage students. I encourage them to go on TikTok, but I give them certain things to look for. So um, obviously, you know that I'm a, I'm a bit of a sustainability guy. So one of my big homeworks that, you know, one of my game changers that has certainly been for, for me, but also for the teachers that, that I've taught is on a fairly frequent basis, ask your students to go and find a video about what you're learning about or perhaps you know so let's say you're learning about deforestation find a video about deforestation um or find mm-hmm. a video look for uh, an environmental change maker and do it mm-hmm. on a fairly regular basis so I, I do it you know once probably every two weeks with my students i get them to go and look for it and then come back to the classroom and share it with their classmates to see who can find the best to see who can find the funniest to see who can find the most effective. And we all know how the algorithm works. If you keep looking for something, it's going to keep appearing. Yeah. So if you're setting your students homework to go and find this English video, to go and find that English video, the more they're looking for these English videos, the more it's going to pop up and it's going to be happening in their free time as well. So Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily encouraging your students to use TikTok because whether you encourage them or not, they're going to spend an hour a day on TikTok if you can help them focus 20 minutes of that towards saving the planet or learning about the present perfect or you know whatever you want to do then you're going to help shape their algorithm for those things to to come up more often yeah. now obviously my tiktok is just dogs so
2: really? mine is yeah. mine is mostly uh is a mixture of british politics and stand up comedians yeah.
1: Uh, are they not one and the same?
2: No, one set is funny. And the other <laughs> and one's rather, just satire. The other one thinks they are. <laughs> no, yeah, but, oh,
1: oh no. let's not talk about politics. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's not a good time for that, is it? But it is um, not- yeah, I'm a big fan of TikTok. And, I, you know, when I first saw it, you know, I thought, oh, God, this is awful, you know, and I scrolled through, through a few things and it started to know what I liked and, you know, because basically all the things I'd ever seen or, or people had shown me on it were of girls doing dances where they do this with the two hands and, you know, and it's like, what the hell, you know, but then, the more I started watching it, the more it learned what I liked and so it gives me more of what I like and what I'm interested in and, you know, and that tends to be, you know, British politics, stand-up comedians, and and jazz guitar. So,
1: you know. There you go. Mine is almost exclusively uh, eco life hacks and dogs, um, (laughs) which is why my daughter always wants to look at my phone um, as opposed to my wife's phone because my wife's are always vegan recipes, (laughs) which is brilliant because she sends (laughs) them to me and we can cook them and it's it's amazing. Um, I absolutely love it. So we kind of have the perfect combo. My wife's is useful. and mine is cute dogs, um, which, you know, is, is something I, I can't get enough of. <laughs> so yeah, when we talk about ed tech, I, I think um, we'd be remiss to, to kind of go to, to not go beyond these, these kind yeah. of custom built areas. And, and it's something I think teachers really need to embrace. And again, there are teachers embracing it, there are lots of Teachers on TikTok. I look again at Charlie's yeah. lessons, who's who's incredibly successful on TikTok. He's doing brilliantly there, and it is wonderful. Um, you know, he's it's fantastic for him, and I, I love watching his videos as well, particularly when he has the Spanish ones too. Um, but there are so many teachers out there. There's so much opportunity for TikTok reels on Instagram um, to be yeah. utilized for learning.
2: Yeah. Yeah, great. And, you know, and I think that that's like you say, that's a wonderful thing that's come out of the pandemic is that, you know, People are doing that and have have found a way to put themselves out through that. Loads of great teachers, and it you know also great that it's it's kind of democratized the the teaching a a lot as well. You know because they're not it's not all native speakers as well. You know there's loads of non-native speakers putting themselves out there and doing some really great videos and tutorials and things like that. You know I think that's great.
1: It's absolutely it's wonderful. Um and yeah something I kind of. Again, edtech in general it is something that has absolutely thrived thanks to um mm-hmm. the pandemic um and I like you, I hope it continues to thrive um long into the future because it is a way of making learning accessible um, perhaps you know I'll make less money that way <laughs> but uh, I'm not particularly bothered by that, Um, particularly with renewable English. I like for that to be, you know, as free and available as possible. Um, And when it comes to a lot of language learning, particularly it's, uh, you know, direct to learners, it's really useful to have that. Um, Teachers, I think it's very useful for them to have materials and and such. Um, But yeah, direct to learners and that kind of engagement thing. It's a wonderful thing.
2: Yeah. But uh, I don't think it's necessarily true that, that you, you're going to make less money or, or miss out on any money as well, because I think, you know, that, that's another thing that, that sort of come out of this is that, you know, we have the, the opportunity now through technology to, to become more independent and to do a wider range of things. I mean, my, my publishing company, that would have been impossible, you know, 10, 12 years ago even, you know, to, to, to have that to be able to sort of you know have a, a platform where i can build digital materials to be have a platform where i can sell digital materials have platforms where i can market digital materials and have customers who can use digital materials and pay me for them you know a few years ago that would have been impossible but now you know that's something that anyone can do all of the platforms that i use are actually free platforms you know or have a free version so you know, you, you can put that together yourself. Even the apps that I built, I built using a, a free, a free platform. So, you know, that, um, which, amazing.
1: which are your, I'm going to ask for your top two favorite places to, to build, um, to create materials as it were. What are your top two favorite websites?
2: I guess the, 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 the main one for me where I build, build out the client kind of classroom materials is a tool called Genially. Which sort of allows you to create these wonderful dynamic, interactive HTML5 presentations and infographics and things like that, where things move around and you can press on them and and. Stuff I love like your that. infographics, man! Yeah. I
1: absolutely love your infographics. They are so good. I'm a, I'm a so big good. infographic fan. Oh, they're um, so good!
2: I guess the other place I, I don't know is a toss-up for the other thing. I think probably it's, it's a platform called GlideApps. And that's where I've built the teacher's classroom app and all the apps, which kind of pull all the materials together and, and, and take them to the students or into the teachers. And the Glide Apps is a tool that enables you to build um, an app that will go onto either an iPhone or an Android phone, but it's based on a, a Google spreadsheet. So basically what you do is you put all your content into a Google spreadsheet and once it's in there you sort of plug it into glide apps and you build an interface so that students so that people can interact with that content and access it in different ways and it just you know it looks so fantastic and and it is so simple you know i mean that's my to it do this now I, I, it, it, I had a kind of learning curve of, of about a day. It took me about a day to build my first app and sort of get everything together and sort of learn how to do the different bits. And now I can sort of churn them out pretty quickly. You know, once I've got the content into a spreadsheet, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't take very long at all.
1: Oh, well, that's excellent. So that, um, because, that's, yeah, that's a that's tool. a kind of next step for me, glide apps. Um, and yeah, Genially is something I, I've used, but I've used it I'm not going to say sparingly, I've not used it enough. I've not, you know, it it seems fairly easy to use. I I imagine the premium version is incredible, Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't been able to figure out the best way to make the most out of the non-premium version or the Mm -hmm. free version, as we could probably call it. Um, And that's something I need to spend more time on.
2: Yeah, I I was lucky because I, I, I... when I first started, I'd, I'd used it a bit, and I was thinking, "No, oh, this is really good. This has great potential." And then I got this job working for a company, and they wanted something. And I said, "Oh, we should use this." So I learned how to use it on their time, you know. And then, uh, and they had the premium version, so I sort of worked out, "Yeah, oh, yeah, that's how I can do that." So when I finished my job, they're finished, you know. I set up my own account, and you know, I was ready to go and could could do lots of things on it, which is is great. So sort one of wonderful great things about sort of still doing bits of freelance work is that you learn so much while you're doing other people's work and uh, exactly that's really helpful. You know?
1: Exactly that. I'd love for somebody to who's using avalian to give me a chance to use that mm. because I, I, well, I don't want to pay to use it. So I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest um, because yeah. I think that has such huge potential. I saw that Pete Clements has, has recently yeah. done a course on it. So um, I uh, think that's something very interesting
2: Yeah, i use uh, my third tool is actually something similar to that it's a tool called h5p um which is for building interactive content and uh, originally it was open source it was and it was a you could and you still can use it as a free plugin on moodle or if you've got a wordpress site you can build interactive activities using it there um But now they've got a commercial version as well, but they've they've got a great collection of interactive activities that you can do some great stuff with, you know, it's got kind of voice recognition where students can speak to it and it will give them some feedback on what they did, you know, a bit more meaningful feedback than Duolingo, perhaps, and and you can build sort of all kinds of interactive activities with it. I think that's great, too.
1: that is something else that I, I wanted to point out about, um, about messaging apps, actually. Well, about everything really in general now. Something I love to get my students to do um, is the voice recognition, but not voice recognition, not send a voice message necessarily, but the
2: yeah. voice to text. Voice to text, yeah.
1: It's something that I don't know why every teacher doesn't use it, like get their mm-hmm. students to go home and, I don't know, tell them to write an essay by speaking it. Yeah, and then see what comes out, and then they can they can go through and see, and they can practice, and that can really help with pronunciation. Um, so yeah, that was just something that popped into my yeah. head when you said that. And as we're talking, you know, edtech and such, um, I thought I'd mention that.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So H five P, you can do that. You can build your build sort of dictation activities and build uh, speech recognition activities and things like that. Or, speech recording and those are the kind of things that i build into my lessons as sort of additional materials and things like that
1: well that is fantastic now we've we've talked all about well everything really well no we haven't talked about everything we've talked about your top apps we've talked about telegram and we've also talked a bit about teaching in general Um, i'm going to let you be on your way um, I'm starting to overheat in my front room here. It's where the evening sun beats down. I've got the, the blinds down and everything. Um, luckily for our listeners, they don't have to look at my sweaty head. But I'm afraid you, you do. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring everything to a close now. I'm going to see if the closing music's going to work shortly. But I would like to say again a huge thank you, Nick. It's been a pleasure to meet you, to be honest. No, I, I feel you like too. I know you. <laughs> Um
2: we should have both had our hats on really shouldn't we? We, sh- we
1: should I'm <laughs> just gonna I'm just gonna lean over and I'll very briefly put mine on for you there. There you go. I didn't chuck my I'm, flat cap I'm on.
2: Down the down the corridor a bit. So All right,
1: a, a bit too far, far away. Um it has been an, an absolute pleasure you know meeting you. Um I feel like i I know you already um from beforehand, but actually speaking to you's been wonderful. And hopefully one day uh, a face-to-face conference We'll we'll meet face-to-face
2: who knows i'm sure it will happen one day
1: absolutely thank you so much nick
2: okay thanks for having me on and it's, it's been great pleasure to talk to you and to, to talk to people i hope, hope somebody's got something from it okay
1: i'm sure they have thank you so much and uh yeah i'll speak to you very very soon